everybody, and welcome to the newest installment of Movie Cinema Film. Uh, you may be noticing right now that we are talking on microphones. Hello, uh, hello. And uh, this was after a lot of uh, text messages from Leah telling me about the terrible sound quality of our podcast, and we have listened to the critics as critics, and we have installed new microphones. Yeah. Um, Refined audio. Yes, but Leah is actually out of town right now um, I'll be in an undisclosed location. <laughs> so, yeah, she's uh, having fun somewhere. So we actually have uh, a guest host today, um, a very uh, talented writer and comedian and actress um and producer uh <laughs> she produces as a part of late night hump uh i'm gonna and... get an introduction every time <laughs> oh yeah you guys have heard her already i forgot she's just been on an episode <laughs> give it up for rena ezra <laughs> uh hi there folks yes i'm rena ezra still here still existing in the world um, yeah, so I originally thought that Brendan O'Brien was going to be joining us on this podcast, but he uh, did not really watch a lot of the films. Uh, he watched some of the films. I'm sure he has some opinions yes. that you guys could yeah. DM him or Facebook message yeah. him or text him for. Um, we definitely have quite a few uh, we recommended to him. Yeah, for so sure. Sees, yeah, yeah, just explaining our uh, our feedback and uh, like what we were feeling about because it was a lot of a lot of great choices. I must say, the Montclair Film Festival did a wonderful job. So yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit on the podcast in the past, but for the people who didn't hear those, uh, the Montclair Film Festival did a hybrid where it was half uh, virtual and half drive-in theater. Yeah. Um, and the drive-in theater basically had all their premiere movie events, um, and some of those films went virtual afterwards, and then there was the virtual cinema, uh, where for most of them, uh, you could unlock them at any time and get them for 24 hours. And then you get to rate them after on the, uh, we did that on your laptop, yeah. Yeah, they have like an audience award uh, integration mm -hmm. on the app. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you to the computer nerds on that. Um. <laughs> yeah. um, I did know I do like the layout of it. I do like how it was structured uh, and all the categories that they have. I, I think they did it uh, on the web. They did they did a great job with that virtually. Um, I think there was and we didn't have any complications. Like it was, it was very very well done. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we did not get to see Nomadland. That is one that I will just say. <laughs> if yeah. we could start out with the ones that we did not see, but that wasn't in drive-in, but you were saying, you know, it was sold out. Yeah, I've become a little bit of a Chloe Zhao fan, um, and she's signed on, I think, to do a big franchise film next uh, Eternals, I think she's directing. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, you're more of a superhero person than me, right? Do you know yeah, what that is? more, yeah. but I wouldn't say a mega fan. I'm yeah. not. I'm not even. Maybe. Maybe not even a fan. I. I know. I just. I just watch them, but I don't follow it. So I did. I just have not heard about this one you just spoken about. Yeah, but she did this little film with uh, Frances McDormand that we were not able to see, but we've heard good uh, things yeah, about it. I just love Frances McDormand. Um, and we fantasize sometimes about uh, escaping in our little van. 
somewhere far away. So we'll probably have to see <laughs> Nomadland one day to live that fantasy of van life. Mm. Oh, traveling yeah, yeah. the country. I do, yeah. I go online and I look up the Soho van campers, and they're just beautiful. They're gorgeous, though, how they just remodel them, and it, I just like, oh, yeah, I would... Well, like what Kelsey calls me, earthy crunchy, because I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be a hippie <laughs> for however long, and just take off and do... We're already plant-based. We're almost there. <laughs> let's, um, yeah, let's have an adventure. Yeah. Um, there were definitely a lot of environmental films that we watched. We Absolutely, watched a yes. lot of socially conscious films. Yes. Uh, overall, what was your Very feeling about the film festival? Uh, we, we obviously, uh, we're shooting this on Saturday, October 24th, so we have about a day left mm -hmm. to still watch some films, so yeah. we're going to take advantage of our passes. Yeah. Um, and probably watch some other films that we don't discuss, but we've basically sure seen thing. everything that we're going to see. Yeah, no, we, we definitely wanted to get the... There were quite a few feature films I wanted to knock out initially for that, that we did, and we watched, and then we watched a, a ton of shorts after, but they have way more shorts, a, a large shorts collection that I, I thought... I just did not know it was going to be that big. Um, so there's a lot. That's the thing we were just talking about, though, on the way over here to the office, that we're like, the, the thing with the, um, movie festival is that you're like, oh man, all the ones that I didn't get to see, like, all the ones that I've missed that are probably, like, gems, or if there's something that was really good that I just, like, won't know of, because you did, yeah, but, you know, that happens. Um, overall, you're asking me my, my opinion, my feeling on the festival. Yeah, as a whole, uh... This is my first time doing the Montclair Film Festival. Yes, In the past, I've yeah. badly done the New Orleans Film Festival. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah, the but you that... also went to Sundance. Yeah, no, but I was, gonna, I was going to say, yeah, I did Sundance right, but I did the New Orleans Film Festival poorly. Um, I did not take advantage of my pass. I was a little... I think I was going through some mental health stuff <laughs> during that week that I had. Did you uh, have alcohol as a buddy? Uh, I did have alcohol as a buddy. <laughs> I did have marijuana as a buddy. <laughs> uh, it was uh, a break for Tulane as well, so wow. I did not have classes to guide me. So your priorities were a bit... Yeah, it was a very... <laughs> it was October 2016, I think. Yeah, October 2016. Wow, a the weird, fall. A weird time before the world changed and the orange man became our president. Oh. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, this festival was definitely the festival where I got to watch the most stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I totally love the virtual aspect of it. Uh, yes. I was blessed to have a solid like you can just binge five days off over yeah. the course of this festival yeah. um, over two weeks because like it started before last weekend. Uh, so we watched all last weekend, and then I also had this weekend that I was also off to uh, watch some films. Uh, it's a good format, and I think it allows a lot of films to be seen in ways they wouldn't be otherwise. I think film festivals are definitely uh, a way to generate income for artists mm -hmm. also, yep. uh, just because uh, people are more likely when they're at home, I think, to do something like this and pay the money, as opposed to like, oh, I have to buy a trip out to Sundance, I have to buy the Airbnb, I have to buy all of my meals when I'm out there. Convenience when goes a long way. Yeah. People will definitely pay for convenience. And, of course, the ease of a process, of ease of a situation, you know, for you to just 
do this setup or have it, you know, like experience this thing. Um, if it's simple, but it's like packed with goodies. Yeah, and I feel like I'm there. It's also a fair process, I think, for the audience awards because it basically allows people to watch every film that they want to. They could turn off films that aren't of interest and then use their time more efficiently, which, like, I think is a very good thing as opposed to the awkwardness of having to walk out of a film you don't want to be in. Well, but here's a counterpoint. Does it... Are people's attentions... Like, do, do they grab people's attention enough if you're at home watching a movie as opposed to in a theater? No, definitely not. You it is a different experience, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think, though, it uh, increases the stakes of the movie-watching experience at home to be like, oh, this is a festival. Like, they even have, like, the same guy and the same yeah, woman. Tom. Like, <laughs> going through <laughs> before each... Doing introduction yeah. video, yeah. Doing their introduction uh, video. Tom. Um, and it may, yeah, it just makes you feel like, oh, like I'm at something, you know, there's probably a lot of they people who are definitely eights. more, yeah, and there's definitely Absolutely. a lot of people who are more isolated than we are, who are probably enjoying, like, just seeing Tom's face, like, <laughs> before each film, they haven't, like, seen familiarity, they don't have friends that yeah. they've seen, they're trying to keep yeah. inside because of COVID precautions, because everything's kind of going up. That too, um, it was very, especially for now, being in a global pandemic, it was, um, I don't think a waste of time at all to be doing this festival and virtually and just sitting there and watching a bunch of things. I mean, we still go outside and talk about because it's October, so it's beautiful out, but um, I thought it was a very good use of our time. Yeah, and also as artists, you always have to be watching uh, the current art from your field and your medium you know and if we want to be filmmakers and producers it's our job to watch a wide range of new films so that we can see what other people are doing um and see how we could kind of innovate in the art so that's kind of what i love about festivals is just like seeing new things uh new ways that people shoot new animations new yeah. edits yeah uh, we saw a lot of interesting things in that regard i mean unfortunately the artists don't get to network as much i'm sure if it's mm -hmm. virtual as opposed to them actually going to a festival physically so that is one thing like it would have been nice oh i mean also just the energy of being in person and yeah. going through that right it is very different but uh again i mean there are pros and cons to everything but this was just again i don't think i we would see as many films if it wasn't virtual we saw a ton like i i don't think we would be it's like it was just very again it was just very convenient and very simple and um i mean i give it three thumbs up if wow. it's out of three thumbs again like it was, it was i was not disappointed at all yeah, um, I, they're probably just some shorts that I I weren't into and didn't thought it was that good. But all the feature films that I wanted to see, majority of them, I I thought they were I rated them pretty high. Yeah, I thought all of the features, for the most part, were high quality. Uh, the Montclair Film Festival is not an Academy Award uh, qualifying festival. Yeah, so like that means yeah. that the shorts are going to be a little bit lower quality, but like. Still, there were but some shorts that were shot. good. Yeah, there were some beautifully shot shorts. There were some good shorts that we'll talk about later in the show. Which MFF, maybe if it grows and grows and grows, and years from now you don't know, it could be a qualifying festival. 
it's already like where Rena and I live. Like we're even close enough that like people can hang out at our house and like sleep on our couch if they're in that festival. Like Montclair's close enough it's to us, close, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's just beneficial for us and people in New Jersey to watch that festival grow. Yeah, come crash on our air mattress. There were definitely a lot of Newark-based films. There were a lot of, a lot uh, of from Jersey, other Jersey-based films. Mm-hmm. Montclair State University, it seemed like, had some films. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of hard to tell like where the films were coming from at times. Just because uh, the labeling was kind of weird. Um, but nonetheless, a lot of interesting stuff that we will get into now. Yeah, let's dive in. Um, so I guess we'll start, do you want to go in chronological order or that we watch them, or do you want to go sure. in like favorite order and like the things that people need to watch? Oh, they're probably, well... I would say chronological, okay. but the people... No, let's do chronological, want to though. They want to know. Okay. I think we should do chronological okay. as best as we can, because yes. then if we do that... memory. Yeah, and also, uh, I think w- when you're at a festival, you have to make the mad rush for, like, the marquee films. Um, so, like, we tried to get Nomadland, it was sold out. It was also a separate thing that you had to pay for separately as well, so, like... I wasn't in a rush, really, to get into that. But then after that, there were some films on select nights that if they had uh, more buzz around them, uh, you could only watch them at a specific designated time. Like Minari. Yes. I'm going to apologize to the Montclair Film Festival. Uh, I bashed them a little hard for not letting me into Minari and and (laughs) saying that they wasted my time. Uh... I apologize. I'm just getting that out there publicly. I really respect the Montclair Film Festival. And Is that it? Is there any more you have to say, Jordan? They they let me into Minari. Um, oh, it's because Jordan wasn't signed in. Because he didn't log into his account. That was it. <laughs> it's because you made a silly... <laughs> I was just like sitting there and I was just like, well, why, why didn't you try this? <laughs> you were very frustrated and it's just like, huh, wow, what a simple solution. No, also I think like when I emailed the lady with the festival... Oh, you emailed her? No, because it, it was way before like the festival started because they sent an email and they were basically like, oh, like make sure you reserve things ahead of time. And then I tried to reserve my ticket and I didn't understand that it was time sensitive when you could unlock it, but uh, ah. I did reserve it. I just couldn't unlock but it yet. Had yeah. already had reserved. That's cool. That's cool. Um, but yes... Minari, I got to watch. We'll talk about that a little bit later because yes. that was a little bit later in yes. our chronology. Um, so, but thank you, Montclair Film Festival, for being cool about Minari. And <laughs> I am really blessed to have seen that film. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the film that shot out to both of us was a film that starred uh, Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Black Bear. Black Bear. Um... We didn't really know what to expect with this film. Uh, I know I didn't really hear anything about it. I just, like, knew that I was going to want to watch it because I'm a fan of Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, uh, she she did a great job. Um, but I think that given COVID and given that we are a couple in COVID, I think this was a perfect film to start out our <laughs> festival with. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was that film where it is... A relationship it is when you work with your partner uh, professionally 
Um, which again, that is what we can relate to. It is, I mean, we don't get as bonkers as they did in the film. <laughs> like, I don't think we've ever, um, gotten that intense with each other, it, you know, if we are like, you know, fighting or on un uneasy terms or anything. Uh, great performances by both, uh, Aubrey Plaza and who's the lead actor? I'm Christopher sorry, Abbott. Who I have not seen him in anything before, so this was a first for me. Um, and also the, the, uh, other actress who played opposite Aubrey Plaza, um... Sarah... Yeah. Gadden? Um... You know. It was a very interesting love story, I'm gonna call it that. We could throw a love story in there. Um, interesting about how actors can be exploited. Um... Because I don't want to reveal anything, but it was just a lot of the actors being, you know, exposed and vulnerable. And it seemed like people, you know, like, it's just, like, our, you know, mind tricks are, are we, you know, is, what, is what's happening here. Like, stuff that's getting played. Because also the way the film was told, like, I mean, laid out... It was in... I mean, how do I explain it without not revealing anything? Um, well, it just, like... There was a lot of stuff that felt very trippy. Like, there were drugs involved, and, like... I don't know if that had an influence with it, but, like... There were some altered states of reality yeah, in this film. Yeah. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And you guys will watch it one day. Yeah, I don't really know if any anybody acquired this film yet. I would say the... Um, perspectives the point of view how the it was told in two different ways like that I appreciated um and also I I just I would just say that I'm still not sure how I think about um how it was concluded that's all I'm gonna say and you guys will have to you know figure that out on your own when you finally watch the film from start to finish and see if you are 100% satisfied but i was definitely on the roller coaster all the way through and, beginning middle to end and it was uh it was very exciting to watch i was definitely not bored yeah and also another thing about um the montclair film festival is it's a late in the year festival uh so it is like the opportunity for suburban like new york and new jersey people to kind of see things that went to the earlier festivals uh, so, for example, Black Bear was at Sundance. So, like, yeah. we got yes. to see a Sundance film yes. without going to Sundance yes. this year. Which I thought was really cool that Montclair Film Festival has their coordinators. You know, they have their staff or their team, people that go out to the other festivals and are able to network, communicate, and, you know, bring a film onto their wagon and, and show it uh, in MFF. Um, I, th I thought that was just really great that they were able to get that film. Yeah, and that's going to be released December 4th, 2020, I think, unless they are pushing it back for whatever reason. Um, I don't know where it's going to yeah, go specifically, yeah. uh, but I think it's going to have theater distribution, if that even exists anymore. Maybe it'll just be drive-in <laughs> distributions. <laughs> it's all drive-in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that could be real. I'm down with it. Yeah, this film was definitely a fun film to watch uh, for COVID because I'm sure there's a lot of people who have been traveling, a lot of people who have been in Air Airbnb type places, mm -hmm. a lot of people who have like driven upstate to just like get out of town and like find themselves a little bit. Um, so I think this kind of shows 
the romance between your work and your vacation, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how, like, you want to love your job, but then if you love your job, then eventually you'll hate your job. And if you, like, spend too much time with somebody in isolation, then, like, you start to hate them, too, because you're getting you cabin fever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we were pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, it was also very interesting to see how this film kind of, you know, it touches on um, how real life influences your art, right? The art is influenced by the artist and your, just like the complexities or the things that come up in life that you just don't have control over and like stuff that you're trying to... What was interesting is like what when you're trying to make a film and you're trying to catch all these special moments, but you you try to make it as grounded, as honest, as genuine, as real life. And that is kind of hard. I mean, for me, anytime I'm in a project, it's always nothing ever, anything I catch on camera is never what it is, what it compares to in my head. Like what I have a vision for it, I always feel like, I'm never satisfied, and I always reject the work, and I'm just like, it's still not good enough, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. Um, but it's just very interesting with this film where you're just like watching these people, and sometimes you wish you could, yes, just have the cam cameras rolling when it is just when you're just going through life and it, it is it is whatever devastation you're going through or if there's trauma or if there's just a happy day or if there's you know something joyous or whatever it's just real and you're not playing a part um yeah i um i mean uh, again i think they did also I, gosh there's just like so much i want to say but i don't want to reveal anything <laughs> But um, just Aubrey Plaza, I would just say, seeing how more diverse she is and seeing, because the first time I saw her was in Parks and Rec, <laughs> so it's really, really cool to see her do these other projects, um, especially when she's in film, and really watch her grow and see what other angles she can play and be like, oh, okay, there's more to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like this. She has a lot of depth. I feel like Absolutely. she's done a lot of good stuff in independent films. Yes. Played a lot of, yeah. like, great yeah. comedic roles. She's really one of the great character actors she's of our so time. She's so great about playing, like, twisted <clears throat> individuals, but somebody who does... It, it is... There is some... There is a dark comedy to it. If she, she was a man, so she would well. have so much more attention for these acting roles. She would be known as one of the great character actresses. <laughs> Well, we don't need that, Jordan, because she can get that being a woman. No, I know she can. So I'm just saying, like, people talk about, like, she's done, I'm like, comparable job. stuff to, like, <laughs> Robert Pattinson and stuff like that. You know, that's right. They've never been into a... They've never or Jared been, Leto. They've never like, been she's done better in stuff. a film together, have they? Right? Aubrey Plaza and Robert Pattinson? I don't know. That would be an interesting duo to watch. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I feel like the character conversation usually revolves around men. So that's just why I was saying yeah, we need to like put there, her into the conversation. Yeah, I, I feel like there is more light being shined on female characters, though. I mean, uh, like, uh, character actors. I, I, you know, hopefully more and more it just continues. Uh, but there are definitely gems out there. Yeah. And they just need those opportunities. You just, they need to, to chase them, find them, and just, like, grip onto it. Um, because otherwise, yeah, nobody's going to see you. Nobody's going to have you on their radar. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but I will just say this film features the most accurate depict 
depiction of a film set that, <laughs> that I've ever been on. Yeah. So, like, the film set of... Yeah, that was also the fun. The 20-aughts, yeah. It was very fun to watch <laughs> things that be like, oh, what can go wrong in a film set? Like, why, what is, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah, um, that, that was very fun to... To watch it, I have. Well, there's always like I feel like there's always so many things, more than one thing going on at the same time. So it was entertaining. But there you have it, Black Bear. That was definitely one of our faves. Yeah. So uh, after we watched Black Bear, we made sure we watched another film almost immediately, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we watched three in a row the first night. Yeah, which is how you have to do film festivals. It's like six hours. <laughs> it is a film festival. You have to yeah. revolve your life around film for those days of that exactly. festival. Exactly. It's not a book festival. It's not a puzzle festival. <laughs> it's not go to the bathroom and pee festival. No, it's film. <laughs> we did go to the bathroom and pee a lot during this We festival. did. Also, another great thing about virtual film festivals, you can pause whenever you want. If I want to get up and grab a snack, Get some Oreos, I can go do it. If I have to relieve myself, I can go do it. If I want to just play, like, do my Sudoku while watching a short I'm not that interested in, I can do it. Okay, take it away. Sorry. Next one. <laughs> so, we decided to uh, go to another one of our favorite actors. Yes. Uh, from one of our shared favorite shows i think atlanta yeah oh my gosh um that's that's like such a marker in our personal relationship which is so funny not like anybody needs to know that but <laughs> i just love yeah i love it dish, it has dish. a very it's a very special place in my heart just because of the timing i watched it um but brian tyree henry stars in this film yeah uh, as charles young you want to say what the film is yeah he basically <laughs> Didn't I say the outside story? Oh. oh no, did I not say it out loud? Yeah, maybe I missed it. Maybe not. I don't <laughs> I know. Miss it, yeah. um, the outside story. Yeah, yeah. the outside story. Uh, Very clever. Is title. called that because uh, it revolves around Brian Tyree Henry being outside of his apartment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, in, uh, and his dealing with his life um, out and about in New York City. Yeah. Uh, after a little rocky period with his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he, he also was playing a video editor, so I definitely yeah. related to him on that level. It was um, charming. The movie was super charming, super lighthearted, super, it was funny. It, it was a good rom-com, right? It's a rom-com? Is that a rom-com? It was more of a com than a rom-com for me. It had it had some spice of rom, yeah. It definitely there's definitely rom in there. So yes, you could I guess say rom com, but it was a lot of just like him. It was it was just like his journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just um, he's he's also just a great lead. Like he literally was the main dude for the film, and also watching him. After watching Atlanta, the next thing I saw him in was If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, and then now seeing him in role. this, and again, what role. a diverse actor! Like it is just very funny, like just not funny, but just it, it, incredible that you just see these actors, and you're just like, wow, you can play, just you can just be uh, in anything and throw them in anything, and they will they'll sell it. They'll it, it. He did a great job. One of my biggest regrets is definitely missing out on Lobby Hero. I definitely had an opportunity mm -hmm. to see that. Which he was starring in that with Michael Sarah, I think. Oh. Yeah, I have 
just, uh, I was very busy at that time working um, for comedy shows, so I uh, was a little overwhelmed and couldn't really focus on going to theaters, because I was focused on other theaters, um, which is the funny thing, that's kind of the cool thing about film festivals, is like, you get to focus on other people's films and like, your love of film, because most of the time you're focusing on the work of film and the process of film yeah. and the chore of film, which is like sending the emails, calling the people, uh, doing the graphic design, doing the marketing, like <laughs> writing the scripts, editing, going through tons and tons of footage, uh, which gets boring sometimes. And yeah. it's good to get out of your house and experience life. It's good to experience arts that you haven't experienced in a while. Oh, um, yeah, which I think that's what this film is really about, is just... Uh, and friendships. Yeah, just Maybe like your life and your friendships and kind of valuing mm -hmm. the good things in life when you can't always have uh, what you want. Yeah. Um, sometimes you get what you need. <laughs> I thought it was also uh, clever how many things they came up with. The writers were just like how many things they came up with um, for him to get involved in when he was outside of his apartment. There's a lot of things that he just, like, stumbles into, I think is super fun. It's interesting. It's, like, it's not a mono scene, but it had that aura for me. That as You know what I'm saying? Because, like, he was in the same... He was, you know, outside, but it was just these, you know, only this specific region where he was... His character was based. You know, hanging or whatever. He's hanging out and everything, and it was just, like, the stuff that he would get... Um, just get in the middle of it was yeah, yeah. I I like that. I'm just saying I like how they um, just how they displayed it, how they wrote it, how they yeah. I thought it was a really good combo. It was just some good family fun. <laughs> some good family fun. Jordan, Rena, and their invisible cat. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a pet. Um, but in general, great film. Check it out. Um, I'll go look it up on the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page. Um, to let you guys where you could let you guys know where you could find it. Yeah, it's that's an, another fun thing is where we had such changes in mood, going from Black Bear, which is very intense drama, some a dark comedy, then going to this lighthearted family fun comedy, and then the next film we would talk about later, just very different. I thought it was a very good first day of MFF, yeah. seeing like. The different work that's out there. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know if this film has been acquired yet, so I don't know where it's gonna go. Mm. It premiered at Rooftop Films on August first, um, which they do some interesting film screenings on the top of a roof over the summer in Manhattan, I that's think, fun. or Brooklyn. Sounds I don't know great. exactly where it is. Yeah. Get your projector. Go on that roof. Yep. So, wow. How wonderful. Two great films already. Two great film recommendations. We're doing the Lord's work here. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the film, Rena? before we move on to our final film of our first day? No, I'm ready to move on. All right. We uh, ended up seeing the film Freeland. Yeah. Uh, Not next. Freedland. Not Jordan. Freedland. Freeland. <laughs> 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 um, although, yeah, I, this, was this one of your faves, Freeland, or... I don't know what um, actually your order of your faves is. Um, I enjoyed this later. film a lot. Um, 
know. I don't like to have favorites necessarily, just because like wow, they were all. Be, kinda... You'll make a great father one day. <laughs> I could see the the good in all films, um, but yeah, Freeland is uh, a film about basically like <laughs> washed up hippies who are getting shut out of the uh, legal pot market. Um, which I am very familiar with. Uh, if you guys don't know, I moonlight as a producer on Get on the Cannabis, uh, which is Ed Fortune. Uh, he's running for U.S. Congressman right now in Trenton. If you guys live in Trenton or Mercer County, you could vote for Ed Fortune. Uh, but he is a marijuana activist. Uh, he was locked up for marijuana um, and served his time in jail. Uh, a long time ago, and now he's a felon because of that. Um, and now tons of people are getting rich uh, off of uh, something that he was put in jail for. Um, it's mind-boggling. And because of his felony, he is not even allowed, uh, once New Jersey legalizes marijuana this coming November, uh, he will not be allowed to legally have a dispensary. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of this, he is selling weed like he's white. Uh, <laughs> because uh, black people and uh, Hispanic people in America have disproportionately been locked up for marijuana more so than white people and because of that white people who have enjoyed weed for years and years and years get to benefit from this legal market now um, and white people who have shunned people who smoked weed can now be like oh I just had an edible the other day how wonderful how nice um, but like he literally was putting himself in danger, putting himself at risk, like, for years and years and years. Uh, so he is part of the black market, and he prides himself on being a representative from the black market, drug dealers, and he challenges people to convict him again because he's like, there's no way 12 people on a jury are going to find him guilty because he's doing something that tons of other people are allowed to do. He does it naturally. He makes sure his product is good. Uh... He's a very good guy to everybody who really talks to him for the most part. Um, and but there are still people in prison for it. Yes. And there are they have these conventions where you have all these white elitists, whoever have money, have all these other companies where they're in the weed biz, and they're making so much money off of it. And yeah. it's just. And that's why it's important if you are a pot smoker or if you know anybody who's a pot smoker to be actively vocal about releasing all pot prisoners. Um, I know the Last Prisoner Project is a company or is a nonprofit that focuses on that. On the back of our ballot, right? For and then on the back of the ballot. Vote yes. Well, yes. yeah, you should vote yes. <laughs> Obviously, it's not a perfect bill. No, um, it's not. Ed Fortune doesn't love the bill, and he is the New Jersey that weed man. Yeah. So, like, I am going to also yeah. get his opinion out into the world. He is against the bill, um, but he knows it's probably going to pass. He just mm -hmm. doesn't like that it doesn't yeah. have home grow in it, yeah. and also yeah. it doesn't uh, clear his record uh, as being a felon and allow him to... Uh, 
get into the legal market, which is what he wants to do. Yeah. He wants everybody to have an easy pathway to just get into the legal market. But there are the Caucasian Cannabis Corporations, as he calls them, which, like, if you guys like what you're listening to right now, he talks about this a lot on Get on the Cannabis. I highly recommend you guys subscribe to it. He's had on uh, professional boxers, professional football players. He's had on professional musicians. Um, and, and you find it on Spotify, Apple, Spotify, Music, Apple YouTube, Google Play, YouTube, his Instagram, NJ Weedman, his yeah. Facebook, NJ Weedman. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to make sure I got that out of the way because he is uh, a black man in the cannabis industry who's been affected by unjust laws and racism. Um, and this is a very white story. So I just wanted to get that out first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, That being said, uh, the film does touch on a lot of very uh, important points that he's talked about a lot. Yeah, but this this point of view in the film is from an older white woman. Yes. And she's been right. They went to this is California and her Humboldt County and her and a group of kids when they were younger because there's some like flashbacks in the movie and stuff. But you see that they were doing this for many, many years. And then she's like, you know, grown much older now. And she's like at her older, older age. And she's still trying to like it's she's just had a lot of there's a lot of. I feel when I was watching it, there was I felt like a lot. I felt very anxious. I felt very stressed. I felt very upset for her. I felt like there's just a, a swirl of emotions because she's also just going through so much and how difficult the law is making it for her. Because now that it's you know, she didn't have. Well, you'll find out because I won't say specifically, but you know, stuff that that comes up. Um, and she, she just she's just mentally torn. Like things things happen. But again, who's the lead actress? Do you know her name? She did... Krisha Fairchild. I, I'm saying she's every, amazing. Every actor, I'm like, great job, great job, great job, great... <laughs> but she was amazing. She was, It is yeah. true, though. Actors are, like, the, uh, I think, defining factor of any independent film. Because, like, yeah. if your film isn't well-acted, then people are going to be like, I don't believe this, and it's going to look like crap. Yeah. But if you deliver a powerful performance, people all of a sudden trust it. They're yeah, like, wow, sure. I'm here for a reason, <laughs> you know? But I think these films were also special where they had that great combo of great writing and great performance. And, yeah. great, you know, and you need that. Obviously, you need every part to be working together well to have a wonderful film. And this was um, also, again, another great beautifully shot film just wherever they were on location which they might have shot it in california but it was just very also the cinematography where they put like um it was um it's it was just very intriguing yeah and i think it uh really showed uh the contrast of like the little guy who specifically kept small because she didn't want to be a big thing. She wanted to just survive. She wanted to be a hippie. She just wanted modest means of life. Like, she just wanted to grow this pot, give it out to people. She shipped some pot out to the East Coast or wherever. Like, she just wanted a very simple life. She wasn't trying to be greedy at any time. Like, it was never about that. Yeah, it wasn't. That's an interesting point where she was not an evil character. She was not a bad person person I don't think I don't I think there was some she's just human she's just you know 
it, it's just like she you don't live in that world anymore where you can be low key and do things on your own pace and have like be off the grid beyond your own off you know off the be um on your own path and and it's just like the system now makes it hard it makes it very hard and they will shut you down and she it was um it was it was just like I feel like her character is just, I mean, I probably would have broken down. Like, I would have, like, it's also something, it's just anybody who, if you've given your life, you're, you've that many years of your life dedicated to something that you really believe in and you really enjoy doing, and then what happens if that all just gets, like, crumpled yeah. into bits? Like, And anybody who's smoked weed for the past 50 years had to get it from somewhere. But it, yeah, it's and hard like, work for these farmers too. Like what exactly, they're doing yeah. on it that's it's not easy. Like they put themselves on the line, they had to be legitimate farmers, like it's a crop, they yeah. have to manage the pH yeah. of the soil, like yeah. they have to make sure that it's giving the right effects because it is a drug also, along with being a crop and being a plant, it affects you when you smoke it, like tobacco or something like that. Um and there is, like, a botany to it. There is a science to it. Yes. And then there's a business to it. And then there's a delivery and logistics to it. Yeah. And, like, most people in America are just smoking it, listening to rap music, listening to rock music, punk music, whatever they're listening to in their rooms, some pop music, whatever you're listening to. Um, or just smoking it and taking just a hot Just smoking shower. a joint. Yeah, enjoying That's yourself. <laughs> uh, but, like, so many people were on the supply chain to get it there. Just, like, the job that you work every day. There are yes. people who have been doing this every day. And just, like, you'd be upset when the local bookstore in your town closes. Or even, like, the homeless guy who sells books on your sidewalk on a little towel and you're like, oh, that guy has a good selection of books always, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if somebody was to tell him, like, you can't sell these books here, like, you would be kind of sad and be like, why are they Except kicking him out? it's on a grander scale. Yeah, yeah it's the grander scale. It's, um, you know, it just pops in my head, like, because weed is a business. We know that. But it's just like you were saying, distribution, all these other parts that are involved. I'm just thinking, like, gosh, I wonder when Bezos or Amazon or something is going to now start delivering weed to your right. Now this is going to be put onto his website, or they have it sold through there, and now they're the ones who are, I don't know. Well, he already does sell paraphernalia on there, probably. And also he creates creates media content. Well, yeah, Amazon Studios, yeah. Which Hollywood is literally selling weed by being a place that makes movies because weed makes movies better. So just the thing is like it comes down they to watch movies. <laughs> whoever has the more power and money will just eat the other ones up. Also if you're high, you're more likely to buy a bunch of shit on Amazon that you That's don't need. That's also true. Yeah, so they people want people to smoke weed that. because then they're going to make more like high decisions online where they like they're like, "Oh, I should have gotten this." Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, all the Silicon Valley people love weed because people make 
bad decisions and they're innocent decisions you know it's not like alcohol where people like beat their family like by like smoking a lot of weed like you smoke a lot of weed and you fall asleep you and not know? everybody you don't <laughs> always make bad decisions i wouldn't call it bad yeah it's no no i'm saying that's decision, what i'm saying is like you, yeah any and any person goofy decisions i met they're just chill people or people who are just con- people just need it also just medicinally like we talked about like just for medicate like people would rather do that or even if you drink it like a tea or some people just need this because they have mental illness or because they have anxiety or because they are going through PTSD or they have depression or something like I would rather have you do a or t- take a plant a drug from that's from a plant that has not gone through so many chemical processes than taking these other chemical drugs that are run by all these other businesses who are making millions and millions of dollars and they don't care about your life they don't care about your livelihood these these guys who are just in the business and selling all these chemical drugs i'm i'm not i'm not for that i know i just got off on a tangent but yeah, no. I'm just saying it's just it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. Uh, I agree. I think I think that uh, we are hopefully moving towards a collective consciousness that's talking about the the ills of society and the ills of the drug war, and I'm hoping that like people are speaking up in droves. Like we are noticing the issues with criminal justice in general in our country and how it just criminalizes people and turns them into criminals by uh, over-policing them and turns people into criminals by, like, creating and fabricating records. And then once you have a criminal record, you can't work, which, like, in general, like, that is a huge issue in our country is, like, felons get uh, a criminal record and then every job requires a background check. So then if you have a criminal record, you never get the job because they're always checking. Um, It's stuff like that that, like, we as a society really have to focus on and, like, focus on the rehabilitation of people and bringing them back into society because, like, why would anybody ever change if they're not going to be given an opportunity to change then they're just going to be bad forever and then we're just going to live in a world where once people have had their lives ruined once they just ruin everybody else's lives you know well freeland freeland what a great film (laughs) and the name too yeah is it is it a freeland um any more to add on freeland no just just working in the marijuana industry the cannabis industry it's just very accurate i think um yeah and I think it definitely is cool, like Rena said, that it highlights uh, the female cannabis industry because that's yeah. also another thing. Like it's just good to have gender equity in the cannabis industry. I, I think there are going to be more and more of these kinds of films made mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the woodwork. Yeah, I think also a fun thing is just like starting to see weed more normalized, where it's not just like oh, the college kids smoke weed, like, oh, the so-and-sos smoke weed, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, randomly, like, somebody who's a business lady just smokes a J, and, like, that's just normal in a movie, and, like, it's not, like, a big thing where, like, there has to be, like, uh, I'm stone sequence, like, it's just, like, no, I just, like, they're doing a caricature of people who are, who they think are 
Because like heads. it it is pretty wild how almost every time somebody smokes weed in a film they make it like oh my gosh like they did this massive change to themselves and now their life is going to be different whoa <laughs> but like really like there's a lot of people who smoke weed every day of their lives and like <laughs> they use it to sleep they use it yeah, to just deal with their PTSD like they me. use it to deal with their anxiety. Um, and it just makes them normal and by smoking weed, they feel more relaxed. So then it's the opposite of, whoa, everything is different. It's more like, oh, I like, am not worried about, uh, everything that I have to worry about in my life. Um, so I kind of look forward to that where it is just like more casual and like less, uh, seen as an aggressive like move to change your life like now he smokes weed and that's like a thing like no it's just like hey i'm gonna just go have an edible cool and then i think about stuff because that's my meditation because like i'll think when i have an edible or something like that and then it's just like cool (laughs) word so next up do we want to go to the midnight shorts i think that was the next thing we watched that was yes Sure. Um, so Rena had never been to a film festival before, so she hasn't experienced uh, firsthand um, midnight films. But yeah. if you haven't been to a film festival, midnight films are usually comedies or horror films. Uh, They're definitely weird. <laughs> yeah, just offbeat stuff. Uh, very like bizarre. <laughs> There's a lot of negative space, I feel like, in these films. Like, a lot of stuff where you're just like, are people still watching this? Because these films are very much designed for people who have seen a whole day of film festivals. And uh, they might be falling asleep in their chair, and then they wake up, and they're like, oh, uh, what, what's this on the screen? Whoa. <laughs> I just have only, I think, a couple to say um, on Midnight Shorts specifically. Cool. I think, uh, is it Your Monster? Yeah, I think we liked Your Monster. Your Monster. By Caroline Lindy. About um, a girl and her closet monster, I guess is what it is, who's... Uh, <laughs> I just, um, and it's, it's just, it was just funny. It was just, I, uh, yeah, because again, I don't want to reveal anything because I don't know, um, I don't know, where, where would you catch shorts actually? Where could people find this when it gets, um, being passed around? Like, where can they, I don't know. I guess in, may, maybe we should just talk about the shorts as like a group of shorts and just like the festival as a whole with the shorts. Yeah, no, that's fine. And like we can highlight saying, a couple of things. Specifically, I like that one and then the deer one. That's all. Yeah. But it was just like a father and something or whatever, and then this girl with her closet. It was oh, very... Dear was directed yeah. by Richard C. Jones, oh, dear, if yeah. we're going to give him credit. Yes. Um, it was just very fun to see what people could do with, I just when letting their imagination go wild. I think that's what it is in Midnight Shorts for me, where it's just like, and even if they have, like, I think there was one stop motion. Was that in this one? Um, I'm not sure. I think it was a different animation. Was a different short. Um, it's just entertaining. Yeah, it's just like, oh, what (laughs) things can you come up? Maybe if you are up at like two a.m. or something, what's the idea where you have like these two things and you want to morph them together? Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, I I also liked there was an ASMR. Oh my gosh! By Alexandra Serio. Um, I don't know if she was also who the actress she was. was. Yes, she, she was, was the actress, too. Yes, yeah. She made the film and uh, performed in it, yeah. Yeah, she was very good, um, and it was a very complete film. Yeah. Just an interesting concept. It was a bit thrilling. 
Uh, yeah, and like when it comes to short films at festivals, I feel like you have two different types of shorts. You have shorts that are like sketch comedy, which mm. like this was definitely one of those that felt like it was more like, ah, there's just a bit and like you'll get it and like it's gonna flip or something like yes. that, yada yes. yada. Yeah. But then there's like the other short film that's more like the pretentious drama or something. Where or environmental. Well, yeah, but that, there's docs too. Yeah, not, yeah. Docs, like, well, yeah, that's also like docs are kind of pretentious. <laughs> but like, there there are more of, like film festivaly ones. But then also like there are some shorts that feel more like they're like sketches, and ah, it's cool yes. to have them in there because they're like palate cleansers. Yes, yes, this like a, that's a good yeah. way to explain it. Yeah, like Closet Monster kind of felt like that a little bit too. Yeah, <laughs> like less like it was an art house film and more like it was like yeah, like let's just do this little joke, right? Yeah, but it paid off. And I mean, no, sometimes it's good. It's, that's why it's good for this festival. It's a good yeah, reminder to be like, yeah, you're allowed to be goofy. You're allowed to put this stuff on a screen and just see what kind of feedback you get. Yeah. So what was after that? And then I think next we, did we watch documentary shorts? Which one was, yes, yes we did. Docu-series, yes. Yes. That was City So Real. No, oh, that's what we did next actually, City So right? Real. Oh, no, you're right. Okay. I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, but, no, we definitely talk about City So Real. Uh, so this was a four-part documentary series by Stephen James, who made Hoop Dreams, which is a classic documentary. Uh, so I pointed Rena in that direction to watch this. Uh, yeah, it was fabulous. And we also like The Shy. Uh, oh my gosh, love Like it. the Lena Waithe show. Love it. So it was cool because this is basically what was going on during the first three seasons in of The Chicago. Shy. Yeah. yeah. In Chicago, yeah. Because yeah. um, this, this takes place around the 2019 mayoral election, and yeah, this election literally decided who was the person who dealt with COVID in Chicago, which yeah. is a pretty crazy time in our history. Um, yeah, um, there were a lot, like a lot of things I did not know, basically, which I really loved watching it because it was very informative. And there were a lot of mayoral candidates, so many of them who were running in the district. Um, of course, it talked, uh, it, it dove into um, cops, the Black Lives Movement, uh, different communities in North Side and South Side. Like I said, it was very well done, the production. It felt, it was, the, just the content was so good. I had to remind myself sometimes that this is a doc. This is a documentary because it felt scripted. Like the mo like it was, but, you know, which it wasn't, but they just caught very genuine and honest conversations. One where they were in a black barber shop, another one where they were in a white barber shop and different groups of guys. There was conversations they talk you felt like a fly in the wall where you were hearing retired cops discuss certain matters and watching you know the candidates go out and um you're talking to camera a lot and then you're watching them go out and do these debates and do it was a culmination of a lot of what was going on in very recent in chicago and um I, I, I would definitely say after any after any of these, you know, shorts or docuseries, definitely find and watch City So Real. Yeah, and it's going to be on National Geographic, I think, or some, Ooh, or some really? kind of network, maybe PBS or something. Uh, so look for that down the road. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how, like, people who are involved in Chicago politics and, like, know Chicago intimately thought about... Yeah 
the film, but it seemed very in depth. It seemed like there weren't a lot of stones unturned. They were. They did. They cover a lot. They covered a lot, and they had two artists right appear. Can I say who they were? Who backed? Um, oh yeah, of course. They had Chance the Rapper, and right as if I'm spoiling it. This has already happened. Yeah, no, it's like <laughs> it's real not, life. It's in yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. This is real life. Um, yeah, Chance the Rapper, um, appeared in it because they were covering um footage and also Kanye because they were um. Oh my God! Why am I blanking? Who was the candidate they were endorsing? Alyssa. No, they were endorsing um, the young. Okay, you're gonna make me go yeah, look this up. Damn it! Up. I was gonna just get by without naming any of these candidates. <laughs> it, well, we, <laughs> it was just this one in particular because that's who they uh, endorsed. I mean, if you want to list all the candidates. Well, no, we don't have to list every candidate. Um, why is Wikipedia? City, so well, you guys what? can find it. You can Google it. Maybe this is a cliffhanger for them, so you now have to go see City So Real if you don't know who was endorsed by these uh, gentlemen. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was nice to get some specific. Amara Enya. Yes, thank you. Um, so yeah, it was definitely. Like oh, yeah, it showed, it sh- foot, but it showed. Here. Wait, yeah, but sh- it showed like the relationship of like celebrity in these political races. Yeah. It showed how identity is used in political races, yeah. and yeah. like how candidates will shank their own identity, so to speak. I'm putting up air quotes <laughs> uh, just to make the race easier for them. Uh, it was very cool. Like if you're a political junkie, like I feel like this is the most. Uh, interesting uh look at like local politics and how things actually work in a very corrupt city yeah um and it also shows you why people like cite chicago all the time because there are so many forces going after each other that like yeah chicago feels like it's always up in the air just because there are so many people fighting to like take the power over also, just get more well-informed. Just be more well-rounded. If you're like, I mean, me, growing up in Jersey all my life, in Bergen County, you know, in a completely different bubble than being in Chicago. So it's very interesting just to see how other local uh, policies are working. Just how, what, who are these other local politicians? Who are these other... What else is going on currently in the news? Um, and I mean, again, that's why I love watching documentary series also, especially these ones that are um, in episodes where they break down and there's a lot of information in there because um, that's a, a lot of where I get information for... I mean, it, it, it's just a great source to get um, summaries also of these time periods and just like, hey, did you hear about these things? loosely you know pop up on cnn monday or whatever this is what it's about and then especially if it's if it's done really well um yeah that's i can't say anything more yeah uh we were both big fans of it look out for it who knows maybe it'll get nominated for an academy award for documentary it should get nominated for something it should definitely be on people's radar more. Uh, but again, see, like, MFF, they got good stuff. They definitely got... I mean, not like I had low expectations. I just didn't know what to expect. Again, my first film festival, 
and I never went to Montclair Film Festival before, this one in particular, so it was, um, and it's like the fact that it's so close that I'm just like, hmm, wow, Montclair, you guys did this, like, <laughs> yeah, um, really, really appreciate it. All right. Sorry, so. my mom's texting. My mom's probably going to listen to this podcast later. Stop texting me. I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> I just talked to you now yesterday. Now she's going to hear her own shout out. Yeah, um, no, I know. Mrs. Freed. Um, um, all yeah, right. So, so after City So Real. Where we, we I, th- I think we did the documentary shorts be- before City So Real. I'm not positive. Uh, but whatever. We're going to do the documentary shorts right now just to get them out of the way because, like, I don't think we loved any of these necessarily, but there were some decent small ones that I just wanted to, like... Highlight. Highlight. Um, Take it away. The floor is yours. Yes. All Cats Are Gray in the Dark uh, was very cute. Uh, <laughs> it basically showed the life of a pregnant cat um, <laughs> was so by Lass cute. Linda. Um, that was a very good film. Feed the Bears was a film that I really liked. Rena didn't love it, but that was directed by Jesse Orit. Orit. It's a wild animal. Don't feed the bears. Oh, I loved it. It was so cool. <laughs> um, what else? Those were my two favorites. The other ones oh. were like, it was interesting to see the artist, but like, in the other ones, but like, it was also just like slice of life. They were good. They weren't bad documentary shorts. None of them yeah. were really interesting to like the extreme where I was like, oh my gosh, I just learned about something new. Oh. <laughs> there was one doc that was called like White Male Shooter that I was really <laughs> not like a fan of. I didn't really get it. Yeah, there's um, definitely a few where I was just like, hmm, I'm not really sure you needed a voice. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know if you needed this platform, but uh, <laughs> to yeah. each his own, to each his own. Um, so those were my yeah. documentary shorts. I don't know if you had anything else no, you wanted you, to say. No, you, it is, it is complete. Yeah. Cool. You said it all. And then we also went on to uh, fiction shorts after that, I think. And then we kind of took a break from shorts after we did the fiction yeah, shorts. Yeah, gosh, they had a lot of shorts. Yeah. Um, um, fiction shorts. Did I like this? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one was um, what were in, uh, in this one specifically. So... The Montclair Film Festival caters to a very specific audience. Montclair is very upper class. It's very white. It's very liberal um, leaning. So by default, a lot of these films were about cheating. A lot of these films were about uh, like... Yeah. The Gay Experience, which was good. There were a lot of queer films. There were a lot of queer films, and I must say, they were very good. And they yeah. were they were definitely touched on things where people don't talk about. I think that they were not uh, just conversations that should be had. Um, and again, just be more informed, just so that you know about, like, hey, don't be a, a, a smartass. Like, if you don't know anything about this topic, go find out about it. So it was... Um, they, they were sweet. They were also very sweet. Um, and again, just very raw, just very genuine, just very honest. I, uh, if we were giving out our award, I think we like Dirty the most, right? Yeah. Do we think that was the most well-done film? Uh, that was directed by Matthew Puccini. Puccini. Uh, we liked that film. We thought it was good. Buck was also a decently good film. Mm-hmm. Uh... By Elegance Bratton and Javon James. Uh, it was, like, really well done. It was just kind of dark. So I think that's kind of how we felt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About no, that one. Dark. Yeah. 
And then, did you like Exam? We liked Exam as well. I did. Uh, that I was did. The, the Iranian, Iranian film. film. Yeah. Uh, Sonia K. Haddad uh, directed and wrote it with Farnoosh Samadhi. Yeah, which was, I will get into more in depth later, later, excuse me, when we talk about the next Iranian film we saw. Uh, but this one was, I mean, of course I'm biased because I'm Persian, but I am an Iranian, but this was a, a good film, you know, again, being in America and the certain freedoms you have, and then you see what young women have to go through when they're in education in Iran, very different. And I'll just, like, leave it at that. It's just, like, know that you have a lot of luxuries here in America. Yeah. So, I, I definitely got a taste of perspective from this oh film and a lot of yes. the foreign films. Yeah. Come on. We need more female Iranian films, too. Let's go. Yeah. There was definitely good parody, I think, with, like, male and female directors. I don't know how, like, diverse all the directors were in the film festival, but, like, even as we're going through right now, right, it feels like there's a good mix. It was a good mix, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm saying specifically Iran. That's all I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> pointing out. But, yeah, no, overall, MFF definitely did have a good mix of that. Um, were there other ones in these shorts that we were covering, or? Mm, I think we didn't love it. Baby Kate. It was a little weird for me, a little too much, a little too dark, I think. Um, but you guys might like it, um, and Anna, which we didn't love. But it was, like, a decently done film. I think, like, all the films... Is that the girl in the motel? It was the Russian one. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah. There's so many, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> We, we weren't blown away by the shorts, so, like, I don't want to spend too much time on the no, shorts, because, yeah, like, you guys probably won't see them either, yeah. yeah. Um, so, we can move on to My Name is Sarah. I think that was the next one we watched. Was that it? Or did we watch something else? Uh, no, I think you're right. So, uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. My Name is Sarah is, uh, a drama by Stephen Orrit. Uh, that tells the true life story of Sarah Gralnik, a 13-year-old Polish Jew whose entire family was killed by Nazis in the September of 1942. Um, yeah. It's a real story. And it's I think... Specific, yeah, specifically um, on about this woman's journey, this yes. woman's story. And she was a Polish Jew. Yes. Um, and again, because they're have been many films covering World War Two, World War and his you know, the Holocaust. I'm not gonna lie, as a Jew, like I'm so burnt out of like Nazi films. And like Rena Rena really wanted to watch this I film did. and I like did, I was yeah. kind of just like, I really don't want to watch this film again. <laughs> Which I understand. I just can't do I, I just can't do it again. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, gosh, like I know how did you when you were in high school, when you were in like junior or something, they did they have to they'd make you watch because um, they covered like the Holocaust period so for like three days we were in the auditorium, two or three days and we had to watch um, Schindler's List. Did you guys have to do I that? I didn't have to do that. Yeah, very depressing. They didn't care about well, enlightening they didn't care about us that. Enough, huh? Yeah, definitely not. We really care about Jews. Um, yeah, no, so I understand, because um, again, like I said, it's been done so many times, but this one was a different story. This one I did not mm -hmm. know about, and I think it's just because the specifics of this and where the girl was hiding out and the family that she gets involved in, and it's also in Ukraine, 
was it? Or yeah, was also Ukrainian Virginia? countryside. Uh, yeah, so, um, and again, uh, it, it was a beautiful picture. Like, the visuals were, were beautiful, and... I mean, yeah, you know, I, I teared up. Like, I, did, I can't help myself. I, I, um, it was emotional. Um, and it was, it, it did keep me on the edge of my seat because, again, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, again, just the reminder that, like, holy smoke, somebody actually had to go through this is heavy. Um, I think it really highlighted. It was a good watch, though. Yeah. I think it also really highlighted well. Um, the aspect of living in a fascist place or yes. like yeah. being in a place where you know you're not welcome yes. and just like how much it terrorizes you to be in constant fear oh, and how like a lot of times beating the fear is just like living your life like normal well, and like if you could survival. do that much yeah, yeah if you could survive that it's is survival. really all that you need in life and like it was a really beautiful film i think like also, being in Ukraine, where you have to worry about the Nazis and the Russians, and they had, there were two groups where, because again, it was focusing on this specific family, but you just have threats from everywhere, or you just have people stealing some stuff from you one day, you, they pop up unexpected, or they come up with no warning. Um, it's, it's just how many times can people be kicked and battered and beat to the ground and force themselves to get back up and be able to continue the next day and be able to fight like it it it's rough it is rough i can't, i still can't like i'm like this is our this is our history this happened this happened yeah it, you know i i mean for me it doesn't matter how many films you make of it like again like i will still i will still watch this because i'm just like everybody has a story and every yeah. story is different everyone's experience is different and people who like survived you like you you are superhuman yeah and even like for us and our backgrounds like you're iranian and like yeah Persian. and iran hates jews <laughs> no no but yeah like just to know like we both came from places where jews were not welcome and like yeah. our fam like yes. our ancestors had to be the people to escape in order yes. for us to even exist to, you yeah know? and us to have the the splendid life that we do have and yeah. the freedoms that we do have the, the struggles that they had to go through so yeah we just luck understand. that we yeah. were the people who were the family that survived whenever like it is crazy to think about this that like yeah a lot of Jews in America are products of, like, one of these people who escaped and, like, stayed undercover, you know? Yeah, well, sometimes I feel like it is a combination between luck and smarts, but then again, it's just like, well, ha sometimes it's just right place, right time. Oh, or 100%. When you don't make, or you, when it's the bad side of it, wrong place, wrong time, and then it is just like, yeah, like... Uh, just, there's what kind of... There's some sort of energy out there or something you know, or a spirit or somebody who was, like, watching over these people who were able to restart their lives and make their own families after, you know, a tragedy like this, so. Um, and the, and the actress, again, another great female lead. Um, yeah. S Susanna Surawai. Surawai? I don't know how to pronounce yeah, her last name. Guess is as good as mine. Well, I was just reading it. 
So hopefully so, it's right. <laughs> so after that film, what was the next one we played? So we're getting pretty deep now. Um, Real deep. I think we are on to... Hmm. Was this Minari or this was in Minari? Oh yeah, I think this we were Minari? up to Minari, yeah. So Tuesday night, um, we had the opportunity to watch Minari. We had to watch it before 8 p.m. and after 7.30 p.m. Um, and started in that time, and we got two hours to finish it. Um, and it had been hyped a lot, I think, and for me it delivered for the yes. hype. Same, I hope it gets nominated here. for yes. an Academy yes. Award and whatnot, like we, people are saying. We were getting Steve a lot of Yoon great Korean was films. amazing. Yeah, yeah, and Steve Yoon representing, and he's getting in a lot of great projects. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's definitely one of the gifted actors of our time. He is. For he sure. Is for sure yeah. uh, he's in a lot of my faves, favorite movies, for sure. Sorry well, to bother you specifically. I like him, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always remember him from Walking Dead, because that was when I first saw mm -hmm. him, and my sister and I were totally attached to that show. Um, and then we stopped after his... Well, if you haven't watched it by now, I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you, but <laughs> after he uh, left the show, I'll just call it that, but... Um, then just watching any film that he was involved in afterward, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a force. Yeah. He's, but he's such a gentle force, but it's just so, um, and Minari was so sweet, like, the little boy that they have in there, oh, I just can't, this family in this movie, it is just such, Koreans just have a way to always just toy with my heart, and I just said, I can't do it, I can't deal with it. <sighs> <laughs> it was a really beautiful film. It was so beautiful. Um, yeah, I think anybody who's like didn't grow up in a mansion can relate to this in some regard, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like anybody who's moved at one it's point, a family any, starting yeah, over. Anybody whose like family struggled to make enough money, anybody's family who like didn't know what opportunity to pick, anybody's family who's had to choose between their personal dream and like the success of their family, like there's just so many uh, layers to this film. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And like a lot of Korean films, like I feel like it. Uh, had such a deeper meaning that's like tied with a bow kind of like parasite for sure yeah. like there is definitely yeah. a message at the end that you're kind of like yeah but Nar right. minari was definitely way more way calmer subtle i'm not gonna yeah. subtle thank you yeah just definitely not as intense as parasite parasite is a very different film yeah. but minari was because it's based off of the is it the filmmaker's story or something? yeah His lee family, isaac right? chung i think going is from california moving to arizona and then the stuff that unfolds from there um it, but it just the relationships between each family member and you're just you're just watching their hearts on their sleeve and them just it i i, I it was so sweet it was so sweet i have nothing but good things to say about minari i just really look forward to it. when you guys get to watch it yeah um was that a24 i think that was, was a24 it so was. they'll make sure you guys see it very soon they'll make sure it gets nominated for the academy a award also like this might be the year that we get like a very nice academy awards because like no shitty films were released 
really we're, because we're never people, gonna see Tenet though. <laughs> we're not gonna see Tenet, but like it's probably gonna be Minari. <laughs> it might be Mank because that's David Fincher's film. Oh, Maybe yes. Nomadland oh. gets a nomination. Um, I'm trying to think, but like, there's not a lot of big films this year I like that people that. have access to. So maybe we will get like film festival films in I the conversation. I kind of like that. Yeah, I kind of like that the conversation has been because of COVID has been forced to change. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing it's opened up new doors and yeah. it's given people different opportunities. Um, I I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, wow, right. we are trucking along, guys. We're gonna keep keep going strong. Um, also, another underrated aspect of the Montclair film series that we didn't really get to take any advantage of because we were kind of rushing. They have a lot of yeah, they have a lot of panels. They do and like interviews and stuff like they that. Do. A lot of Q and As. Yes. So like, uh, if you are less busy than we are, uh, I definitely <laughs> recommend doing virtual film festivals because. There are unlimited things to watch. Like, there's almost not enough for you to fit in your weeks unless, like, you have so much free time. Yeah. Gotta absorb it all. Yeah. Was this the... What was the film after? I... Uh, There is no evil... Right? After Minari, I watched the... uh, Oh, New Jersey Shorts? I think we watched the New Jersey Shorts. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I'm just going to give a big shout-out in the New, jo- the, uh, the New Jersey shorts. I'm going to give a shout-out to Gramercy, because I knew the production designer on that yeah, one. Yeah, whoop-whoop. Uh, Cheyenne Ford, congrats to... Congratulations. ...making a beautiful film and, like, helping was, to do the art. That was one was, of the most beautifully shot films, I think, in that section. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Um... We didn't really love these films in general, though, so also, that's what makes okay, it hard, I think. I can say what I didn't like about it is why would you call it New Jersey Shorts when none of the films are from New Jersey? Well, this actually, <laughs> Gramercy did have to do with New Jersey because it was kind of going back and forth between Jersey and Brooklyn, which I do think is a very cool okay, concept. so not also. that one. Yeah. We already said we like Gramercy. Maybe it was New Jersey Shorts, too, or it was a different collection I was watching where there was so many things that was just like, in New York City, in New York City, in New York City, and I'm just like, hmm. But you put NJ. Hmm. You're yeah. not, this is not Joycey. Um. Um, but yeah, the films were like fine, but I think a lot of these were like very just bland films. They didn't, they didn't stick out. They did. That was the issue. They did. Yes. Was like, we liked Correct. them. Like, there's one about an undocumented lawyer, which was like, it's interesting it and it's really cool it and like informative. Uh, Lizbeth Maybe because Mateo. it was just too short. Maybe they, if they, if they. Put that into a series or something, because that's an, another ongoing conversation, especially now with what's going on with ICE and uh, undocumented, and what, like the 500, not to be a downer, but the 500-something children we have that are missing, who are crossing yeah. the border. Like, this is, that's definitely, I thought that was a great short to put in. Mm-hmm. So that was fun that they had that. Not fun, the wrong word to use, but that was good that they, that they put that in there. Yeah, and I think, like, there's a lot of people who believe that our country is made up of immigrants but don't like aren't willing to fight enough to like protect these people who have lived in our country for so long and protect these undocumented then the process is long and they make it difficult and it's people just came here to have a good life just like you and a lot of stuff has been like since since the world has been digitized there are a lot of ways in which i think the databases 
like keep people out or like get people off the rolls and take people off of uh, paperwork. Yeah. And yeah. mysterious things happen with the digital web, you know? But also the fact that we had COVID happen yeah. definitely probably prolonged the process for some people. But also, <laughs> probably have worked into their benefit of, like, people weren't able to be deported or kept people here or something, you know, because people were, we were all in lockdown and you were not allowed to fly. Yeah. Or leave or, tra or, or travel. You weren't allowed to, you know, transport yourself anywhere. Um, I feel like I've heard fucked up things from the ICE Center in Newark. Oh God, it's, so, yeah. it's so, like... It's like, so people on Twitter share stories about stuff that's happened there. And it's just it's like, bad. well, bad. What, what, what can we do? Like, the entire government wants these, basically, like, Nazis, like, secret police going around and rounding up people. And there are some Americans who are okay with secret police going around... Those and going ones. to your churches, going to your places of worship, going to your place of work, and taking you away to a cage. Like, people, people think that's okay, okay in America. People that are America. ignorant and in their own little bubble and think their actions don't yeah. affect anybody else's. It is, what, what can we do? You can be aware, you can be educated, you can support, you can find like go you have an entire computer on your phone search things find out how you can help there's so many friends who i have who are again i'm first generation why i say again i've never said on the show but i'm first generation my parents are immigrants they came from iran so many of my friends are first generation i think there's something when you have or people like you know my friends whose parents were not from this country there's something where I, I there's a reason why I have so many of those friends. There's a reason why these people like it's this is a melting pot and like people have so many friends who are not from America and like there we have we share certain core values and there's a commonality between us and there's just I don't know when I just see this stuff happening um, it's infuriating and it's I, I feel it like it's complete and utter nonsense and I feel like sometimes people are doing bad just because they can do bad people are doing evil just because they can do evil it's it's wrong it's wrong and it's gonna take a lot of hard work to move forward and to change shit but um, it's it's gotta be done yes we can indeed. go on that forever yes, yeah so uh, there's another <gasps> kind take of a deep breath like, yeah, it was a fine short by Robert Broadhurst uh, about a... It was kind of like one of those short, like, oh, you think it's one thing shorts, but then it's another thing shorts. Uh, Pants? No, I'm just <laughs> In a occurrence at Arvin, Arvern. Yeah. Shorts, pants? Shorts. Yeah. <laughs> um... Broken Bird was a Jewish story, a black Jewish story, which was interesting. That was interesting. Um, I remember that one. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, all of the films were decent. None of them really stuck out for, like, oh, my gosh, this film was, like, amazing. But, like, they were all interesting topics, and they all raised awareness about something, which was fun. But still, like, again, those which filmmakers are just like, oh, if this is, like, one of the first things that you've made, that's great. You know, you're starting yeah. from here. Their work is only going to get better. So mm -hmm. that's the fun, promising thing to see, where it's just like, oh, wow, you guys, there's a lot of talent out there. Out there. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, okay, so after that, where are we moving on to next? Uh, I think we will move on to... Um, hmm. We're getting close to the end, guys, of the movies that we've seen. We'll talk about Test Pattern now. 
Shatara Michelle Ford's film. This film wasn't bad. It, oh, it's just yeah. like a tough film to watch. Yeah. Uh, it was about sexual assault and how complicated and unhelpful reporting it is a lot of the times and how getting resolve is just unhelpful sometimes. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot to say about this film. Like, no, I, I think yeah. they did. Yeah, I, I mean, the actors and actresses. Um, again, it was just tough to watch because it was just. It made me very annoyed with how they were trying to sort through the situation. And again, a woman who just went through a traumatic experience, and you know people who who are not hospitals there were certain hospitals where were they located sorry if you just Austin Texas Austin Texas certain hospitals who were not prepared to handle the situation they were go went from place to place or whatever and they didn't have a rake didn't know how to like there were people authorized who could or trained who could perform the the tire like check her medically or do this that and like it just felt like she was being bounced around and no one had any regard for the situation she was going through for the mental state she was in i mean the actor who played her boyfriend like he he's great i loved that i was just like yes somebody is taking like because he's he's protecting her someone is taking control of this um i i just it it, it was just yeah it just made me very annoyed where i was just like is this how is this how this stuff's actually handled this is yes. so poor and it's frustrating and it and that is the reality of it like yeah sometimes stuff is handled that way and, this um, is and also that's why it bars people from no i'm just gonna right, say right. that's why people are in fear of coming out and saying it, it or like or going through it or having they think they could just brush it under the rug or go like again it's your experience you can do whatever you want with it i'm not judging i'm not saying any how people again i have never experienced something like this but not having that proper support, this is how people get away with doing these horrific things. And then the victims suffer for it. Yeah. So, yeah. And just knowing that it's such a brutal process just to report this type and of thing. Be. And it shouldn't it be. It should not be. And it's why you have to like believe stories when people tell job. you stuff and like listen to people and have the empathy, you know? It doesn't always have to be about retribution necessarily and like, what can I do? What can I do? Like, it really just has to be empathy. empathy yeah, that's a time huge one. Like, yeah. trying to get into this person's shoes yes. who, like, even if you, even if you can't, if you think that something seems unbelievable, like, why would somebody make it up, you know? Um, yeah. So always yeah. just keep your ears and heart open yes. so that we can fix the bureaucracy bureaucracy we can get people into these positions who actually care about these things as opposed to just shrugging it off and being like oh you should you shouldn't have been irresponsible or whatever um which a lot of people just kind of shrug it off and just make it like it's not my problem sorry that's a tough thing it happens to a lot of people but like not my problem uh but like if you go through this you have to deal with it for the rest of your life in a yes. lot of ways if you don't deal with it in the right way early yes um, it stays with you yeah so, yeah, not a bad film, just a hard film to get through. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm yeah. glad they did make it. 
The relationship was good, yeah, that yeah. was what was good about it, was to watch the relationship between people and dealing with such a horrific yeah, situation. Yeah, I think what I really liked about it was that it wasn't one of those classic ones where they make it overly dramatic, and that there's a whole thing, like, they, they just blow it up into, this was, this seemed very, again, I'm gonna say like MFF, very real films. It seemed like very, like, oh wow, is, is, is this how somebody would actually handle this or go through this if something just occurred to them is this like just just watching them try to you know her you know the the uh, character go through her day um it it was it, it the film didn't get so crazy you know i thought it would unravel more but it didn't which said a lot, which was very interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I'm being too big, but um, again, I don't know. I'm going to spoil anything in case you guys want to see this one. Cool, cool. All right. Next up. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say <laughs> next up. the last one? What else did we have? Oh, no, we have, we have a couple more. No, we're basically getting there. Uh, then we watched There Is No Evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was the other Iranian film. Yeah, Mama's got a lot to say about this one. So I'll just let take a <laughs> Oh, okay. Take a I nice mean, little, I uh, definitely, Oreo I, <laughs> yum. Um, not Spongebob by Oreos, but if you want to, <laughs> Oreos, hey, great movie snack. <laughs> um, I definitely do want to know what you thought about this film, though, Jordan, because I don't know how many Iranian films you have seen. Um, but there is no evil, right? It was like over two and over two hours, I think. It was a long film, um, a movie of many moods. Um, it was uh, like demonstrated in the film was in like four parts, four segments, and different characters and different situations that were unrelated. I think I they are think, interconnected. I don't think they were in... Ugh, the description the claims had. they're connected. What? How? Oh, okay. Well, I, I see... I Okay. I don't think the characters directly know each other, but they were all connected in terms of they were all working. I'm assuming it's Evan Prison. That is the very popular, the biggest, the most... Like, the... the dangerous prison in Iran. Um, oh man, where do I start? Because <laughs> I want to like pedal back here and be like, okay, well, <laughs> this is what Iran is. <laughs> um, this was, this was a, a modern film, um, but I can see that they were interconnected in ways that they were some people that worked as guards for the prison. There were some people, um, right, had their own their own, um, you know, there was a, a father character who has, like, his own family, and then, like, what he does for a job. Then there was this couple that it was based off of. Then there was a, another set of people that, it, you know, and they were all connected. They all, you know, I think it all took place. It, obviously, not, I don't think. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, format my senses. How does one talk? Um, they all took place in Iran, obviously. They were all, you would sometimes see the same places in these different segments of the film, but it would jump from one thing to the next, um, to each, like there were four separate stories. Uh, but I, I mean, I, if you want to 
watch a long film all I can say is just stick around for this one please just let it breathe please just watch this one what I really do love about watching Iranian films specifically because I don't know when I will ever get to visit Iran because like I said my father's refugee he was an immigrant fled to America before 1979 before the revolution and he's probably on a list somewhere or something again because we're Jews so we are not liked a lot in Iran we're not you know thought very fondly of because it's a theocratic um it's a theocracy right did I pronounce that right um in Iran it's run by it's you know the religion it's Islamic it's, there's a lot of Iranian Muslims um so on the totem pole Jews are further down so because my last name is Ezra, very Jewish, I probably would not be welcomed. Also because I'm American and then they hate Americans, but I, you know, don't know when I'll be able to go to Iran. Um, definitely could not go during Trump's administration. Hopefully that fascist reign and regime will be over. Um, but... I really would love to see the country, but the thing about watching a movie like this is you get to see so many beautiful landscapes, so many visuals, so many things you probably wouldn't get to see in this country. And films do give you that microscope. They do give you that, you know, that other, you know, that other lens that you can look through and be like, oh my gosh, wow, I, I probably would have never even seen what the city looks like, what this village looks like, what this, you know, because of where they shot beautifully shot um so just going uh back to the story um also i i feel like this film i don't know if it's because i'm conditioned with american films because obviously when you watch a film you it's very you know gripping and there's a lot of risk and everything but for iranian films for me maybe because it is so real that i'm just like oh my god they would actually get in trouble for this like oh my god yes yeah, somebody would actually be you know, kidnapped, taken for this, whatever, thrown in the prison, and most likely die. Like, if you have different thoughts or beliefs, that is illegal. You would be taken, you would be, ca like, there are, again, not the same freedoms you get in Iran as, you know, in America. You get way more luxury, way more freedom here. You have to be very careful when you're in Iran. As a woman, you still have to wear hijab. Even making films, Iranian film industry is huge. There's a lot of money that goes to it. And I had to research this information because there's a lot on how Iranian films get passed, right? How are they approved? Um, that I'm just going to tell you a little bit about. So before you even shoot the film, when you just have your screenplay, right? You have your script, you have to put it across, you have to, they, they have to see it, this censorship board. They have to look at it. Um, if you, let's say, for example, have a scene where a man and a woman are in a bed, that would be taken out. You're not allowed to do that. If you have somebody who's talking against the regime, no way that is ever going to get passed. That film would not be able to be made. They need, you know, their government needs to have that stamp of approval on it. And there are different groups as far as like how these films get produced and how they are financed and how they are supported. If it is like the really big, big uh, budgeted films, the ones that get the most money are the ones that are um, financed by the government. They give you the money. People that are backing this who are in very powerful positions. Also, it depends who you know. Because let's say I... Um, let's say Jordan brought 
something to the board about like this kind of film and they deny him yet I have the same exact film idea it was you know similarly the same script or whatever and they granted me permission it's because who I know um stuff like that where there's so many things that you have to go through and again sometimes your films would never even be premiered in Iran there was one right this film in particular um, the filmmaker you said premiered it in well not premiered but he was shown in Berlin and yeah he's he won banned. an award at Berlin he's banned you said was that he was banned <clears throat> from Iran or right he um, um so according to Wikipedia on March 4th 2020 he was sentenced to one year in prison for his movies which were considered propaganda against yes, the system yes exactly and yes. then it includes a ban on him making movies for two years yep. Um, and he, ins he stated that he intends to appeal the decision and will not turn himself in. And then coronavirus hit mm -hmm. and Iran, even given how oppressive Iran is at mm -hmm. times, they let out 54,000 prisoners wow. so that coronavirus would not spread. Well, so like even see, Iran has thing. that much We're humanity. <laughs> <laughs> America won't even do that. How, to that how level. insane is that? That America was the we're in the worst percentage was. Look at any of the data statistics doing terribly during this COVID crisis. And even a country like Iran is able to have some humanity let prisoner because they needed to contain that disease. I sometimes I feel like Americans just have head up their asses. They really do. Well, also yeah, Iran. Iran, like, seems more oppressive to Americans, but also Americans put more people in prison than Iran. I know. I think that's Iranians true. put a lot of people in prisons. You did, you'd have to look that up. Again, I uh, just because I'm Persian doesn't mean I know everything about Iran. Yeah, I'm going to check this out. I, I think well, America is the capital. God, I think they arrest the most it. people. Go for it. Um, I know the capital of Iran is Tehran. That's all I know. <laughs> Um, while you're looking that up, though, I the other thing I was just going to say about the film is it is uh, spoken in Farsi. So we watched it with subtitles. I'm never about watching a film when it's dubbed unless I'm trying to watch a goofy film and make it funny and if it's not synced right or whatever. But it definitely loses the tone of the film and the delivery lines. It's not the same if you don't watch it in the native tongue. Um, and it's so great to hear. I need to watch more films in Farsi because I know very little, and I need to I need to brush up on that. Wait, Rena, you're gonna want to hear this. Yes, I yes, say it to me. Say the to United me. States of America uh, is at the top of the list. Iran is not even anywhere on this list. Whoa. I don't know if they for, were not for, included. For what? what list Countries with the largest number of prisoners per one hundred thousand of the national population. The United States is at the top. El Salvador is up there. Turkmenistan, Thailand, Palau, Rwanda, Cuba. That's an interesting list right there. Wow. I don't know if that is right. Oh, wait. List of countries by incarceration rate on um, Wikipedia. Let's do that. No, you know what? I think you're right. There was a... Yep. I went it is to... United was it States. Pennsylvania? Wow. The first prison that was in America? Oh, gosh. Iran is 37th. I was... Okay. <laughs> I don't know. My reaction to that is supposed to be... Um, it's it's not as bad a, as we thought. On, well, it's so true. That's good. I went on a trip with Phoebe and Bina, my pals. Um, my twin and my friend from middle school. We've been friends so long. Um... We went to, oh gosh, you're going to have to look this up, the, the, the first penitentiary 
in America, and then it had like this huge exhibit outside. And I completely, I can't believe I forgot about this, but it did have the most incarcerations by uh, America, mm-hmm. and it was just. You're just like, oh, wow, yeah. We think America's number one in so many things. And it's just like, hmm, we are, but not in things we should be prideful in. The land of the free, where two million people rot in prison until their brains go to mush and they come out of prison and have no jobs for them. (laughs) No other country even has 200,000 people in jail. Oh, wait, no, no, Turkey does, and Iran does. Brazil has almost a million. But, like, America is just so far ahead with how many people they have in prison. We need to get in shape. Yeah, the next... Okay, let's just go by raw prison population. Legit... This is the, is most one, of the, <clears throat> one of the most depressing episodes to listen to from your podcast. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> oh. So, the next... Grab a box of tissues. China is... 500,000 fewer almost than America. Wow. And then Brazil is almost 1 million fewer than China. Wow. So that is how oppressive the United States and China are and how much they sell prisons. That's why we do business together. Yes. Um, So this is more about the regime, I guess. There is no (laughs) evil. Again, very interesting title for the film. Um, Just think about that when you watch it. Um, Definitely as an American... Yeah, who so doesn't tell really me. know Let a me lot know. about yeah. Iran. What are your thoughts? Um, definitely anything I've seen about the Middle East in general has just been super depressing and just super uh, It's not all that dark. But I... Yeah, no, no, it has been. It has been. Almost everything's been dark just because that's like how a film gets critical acclaim is like, oh, have you seen this film about this horrible thing? Like, we need to raise awareness about this film. And, like, There Is No Evil is probably, like, the first film, I think, that's, like, I've seen from this region that, like, I was just like, oh, these are just human interactions, and I'm just, like, watching beautiful cinema, and, like, I'm just watching beautiful sights, and, like, there were some of the most beautiful shots, I think, in the festival in this film. It's tamer of a film than other films I've seen, And there were also some of the darkest shots. There were definitely, like, frames that will stick with you for a while from this film. So that's the thing, just when Iranian filmmakers really know how to, like, mm, like, stick a board, like, they know how to just make it imprinted in your brain. You're just, like, you know... It, w- it will just be very calm. Some of the scenes that we're watching and you don't like expect, expect a lot to happen and then BAM! Like you're just like, oh my god! And like, you're just like, oh that was just, that was heavy. That was a lot. That was like, oh. Um, also, I just love their music. I love the sound of the films. I love um, the energy of it. It, it is fascinating of course i'm biased um but again i could be an iranian who doesn't like iranian films but this is true i i definitely definitely love them so that's my take on it yeah all right so i guess we will move on to uh i guess i'll talk a little bit about the montclair state shorts yeah sure uh if there were any good ones yeah you watched those. uh starcade was okay I didn't hate it. Um, it was like a video game film, video game relationship. It was well done. Uh, held together. There was a trailer in there that was just odd that there was a trailer. There was a deep fake movie that was very kind of odd and disturbing and weird. 
Um, yeah. No, these were college shorts, so, like, they kind of are what they are. Um, from Montclair. Dirty Sound was kind of one of those sketches, because it was, like, literally just about a Foley artist making sex noises. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that is... I only saw one from this collection. That was the one I... Oh, yeah. my God. That was so There were a lot of... Like, you could tell that, like, a lot of like, these films could have been good. good, but, like, they definely made a lot of, like, very amateur mistakes in, like, it the script or story. It's just college humor. Yeah. I feel like some of it is just a group of kids just in a circle and be like, oh, what things can we make fun of? Yeah. There's also, there's like. also another one that uh, Rena and I, like, we liked the film, like, it was well shot, but it was just, like, about a, like, Korean rapper, and, like, he never rapped. It didn't make any sense! <laughs> yeah, it was, all, it was just, it was like, like these... it was about how, like, Koreans should not rap Black guys were being, like, racist and mean like, toward him, and it was about, like, yeah, Koreans be in your place and you can't rap, and then it ended, and he didn't even rap! Like, he went down, and she's like, oh, yeah, like, he was in the train station in the subway or something. Um, and, like, going towards this group of kids who were just, like, freestyling. And it looked like he was about to join in, and then, boom, it just ended. I was like... Utica F. <laughs> what, is, what is this... What was this about? Just give up on your passion? <laughs> I guess. Mm. Corpus Dele or Del Delkty was interesting. That was kind of, like, an animated film by Charlie Reif. Mm. Um, yeah. Animation. Wait, did, did we like? Have a lot of did we like the drummer? The drummer one was just. Wait, remind me, what was? X Disposer. There's one about a drummer with some mental issues, also by Daniel Ferrer. I don't remember this at all. I don't know. Yeah, in general, this uh, film was what it was. Um, all these films were what they were. I'm just ready to move on, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, they were college films for a reason. Like, I'm sure some of these filmmakers will go on to did keep you making see films. anything else before we watch the environmental shorts? Or no, is that the environmental. Last one? Oh, we have environmental shorts, then we have the last two features that we watched. Oh, right, right. Gosh, where's my head at? There, were two, time, there were two uh, environmental shorts. On the docket, yeah, and Rena was a bio major, so I'll let her take the lead. What? <laughs> um, well, one of course, because you got to talk about it. Global warming. Um, yeah, our ice is melting, guys. Uh, it's melting. Um, it's a lot of heat. So it's going to affect the way you fish, it's going to affect the way you hunt, it's going to affect people like that who actually use that to survive. People who are not in, where, can you um, please just let me know where the first one took place? Was it one location they jumped around to? Greenland. Different locations. Greenland. So, um, which is, yeah, because I don't know a lot about Greenland. So that was fun. It all take, took place in the room of Greenland. <laughs> It was just one room, Greenland. I I don't get the joke. The joke is that Green Greenland is very big. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I live with you, Jordan. You know, like I just. <laughs> she is so bored of me. <laughs> it's hilarious. Come on, um, we were locked down four months together, and now we work together in an office. Spare me. <laughs> No, I've heard her talk a lot, so that's why I brought her on here, so that she yeah, could talk to you guys now. So I now. can talk more, because you tuned me out. 
Um, that's good. I do talk a lot. I should talk less. Um, yeah, so this one was global warming. Interesting to watch, like, how families just, they're going to survive or what they're going to do because people use it, you know, fishing or people, or, like, business, what they're doing, people living on the ice, literally. Uh, then the other one... But it was it was a focus on indigenous hunters yes. and fishers. Yes, thank you for specifying. And how they uh, have been displaced the most because yes. if you're indigenous... That is where you have always been, to your knowledge, you know? Yeah. But if you are somebody who is that not is native world. to the region, yeah. you can move because that's not where you're from, you know? Yeah. The place that you're in, if you're not from there, is the same as a different place that you're not from, you know? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like, either you're a wanderer or you've stayed in the same place since you were born and you've lived there a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in general... One of the biggest issues we have uh, in the world is just not respecting people's spaces and communities and not respecting the people who have been there before us and, like, moving forward as if there weren't ever people before us in places. Like, I think a lot of the issues with gentrification, I think a lot of the issues with uh, just, like, racism in our country in general is just, like people coming into spaces that aren't theirs and taking it over as opposed to being like, hello, I like your space. Like, would you welcome me into your space if I'm kind to you? And like, would you let me collaborate with you in your space? Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to add. I was just... Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sorry. No, I just didn't know if you were uh, wrapping up so I could just move on to the next environmental short. Oh yeah. There's no, but like, but this is. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, No, but like, it's just something to consider that this isn't even our our land. Most of the places that we live, um, like I guess as a Jew and a European guy, like I don't even know where my native lands would be. Like all over, like other continents, and I am on borrowed land from stolen lands and whatever. (laughs) Who just came to America? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's our it's our job as people who live on stolen lands to try to make the world better, to try to make changes in our lives, to fight climate change, so that uh, these places that we stole aren't completely destroyed, <laughs> and the people who still do live in their homelands can still have homelands for the future, and we can preserve homelands for people in the future. Because Mars isn't happening quick enough. <laughs> we are stupid in the world, and everybody's getting disinformation, so I think we are very far away from getting to Mars, but we'll see. Well, maybe at the end of our lifetime. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. if in our lifetime, but you can grow lettuce on there. If um, our, chil- if our children there. get arrested, they'll colonize Mars, probably. That'd be fun. That'll be the labor that will make Mars. Um, just like Mars high life. Prisons. Um... <laughs> The second environmental short was, what is it called? The Toxic Pigs of Fukushima. Uh, Yeah, in Japan, where there was a nuclear explosion. So then the entire... After an earthquake and tsunami. Yes, there are a lot of natural disasters over there. I really like how they did that introduction of that film. They started and that's how they were like showing what... Anyway, if you just see it, like it it was... was, um, I I like how they demonstrated that... Um, 
anyway, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? So this is when, uh, after the nuclear explosion, that area people had to evacuate because it became radioactive. Um, and there were all of these wild boars coming down from the mountains now going into this village and of course people evacuated so it just looks totally deserted everything is just like you know schools left there there were still shoes and notebooks and papers and 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 you know desks and people's houses destroyed and this and everything just stuff in a disarray and then you have these wild boars coming in that are also poison radioactive poisoning have that and there's a guy just going out there. Other workers who are out there, because, you know, there's obviously there's no population there anymore, but there are, the few that are left are there working to just clean up the boars and clean up the, you know, the, um, uh, what's the word, the residue, or the, uh, you know, like all the other just remnant stuff that's just like left over and trying to like, which which they're exposing themselves to the radioactive material so they will die like they're like it's 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 just a matter of when like it i, I just thought that was crazy i was just like people haven't even fully like there's some people who stuck around and um and nature was just taking the space back every all the vegetation the trees the, everything had just regrown um and it reminded me of when david attenborough came out on netflix you should watch it if you haven't life on our planet um, where he's talking about Chernobyl, right, after that had its whole radioactive catastrophe and the explosion. And um, nature just takes back what it's, what's hers. Um, once people, like, left the place, um, the only thing that comes back is, um, I mean, which I thought the stuff seeps into the, sto the soil, all the radioactive material. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, Jordan, you were saying, you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that in order to save their native lands, like, people literally have to kill themselves and, like, give themselves radiation until they die in order to sacrifice themselves. Like, they literally are considering themselves kamikaze pilots in a lot of ways, uh, going into these areas to hunt radioactive boars. And normally they would think of boars as being food and being uh, a sign of hope for them that they could get food and all of those boars are radioactive, so they'd probably be poison anyway for them. So, uh, in general, it's just wild, some of the destruction that we've created. And I guess this leaves open a lot of questions about nuclear energy in the future, nuclear power in the future. Because, like, what happens if we have these meltdowns that we can't control? Um... And, like, we'd like to trust that the scientists know how to handle these things and make them safe... But we also can't count on everybody to be at their best every day that they work for the rest of their life, you know? And if you are dealing with something so dangerous like this, you need people to be on at all times or else uh, you have this catastrophe where there's literally, like, deserted places on our Earth where you can't go, like Chernobyl, where it's just so radioactive that people will never live there until we're at just a different lifetime, almost. Like, it's going to have to grow back for 200 years, and then people will go there once every other place has been burned out, probably, which is the reality of it. So, those were the environmental shorts. We definitely have to uh, vote the orange man out of office. We're nearing the end. We so are nearing the end. What uh, features are we... 
Well, uh, before before we get to our final two features, I think I'm going to give a shout out to the things that I'm going to try to mad dash uh, watch in the next 24 hours or so. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to watch The Australian Dream, which is the story of Adam Goods, an Aboriginal superstar of the Australian Football League who stood up against racial racist abuse. That looks kind of interesting. I'm going to look at the antidote, possibly, weaves together stories of everyday people who are making the intentional choice to lift others in powerful ways. I don't know exactly. Maybe not. That seems, that seems kind of lame. That sounds enticing. I want to check out Collective, Crazy Not Insane by Alex Gibney, about a psychologist and a research into the minds of murderers. Uh, Down a Dark Stairwell looks good. I'm going to be watching a lot of films, I think, uh, on my laptop in the late hours of the night tonight and tomorrow night. We all know where Jordan will be. Um, What he'll be doing. Oh, gosh. There's even, like, gosh, there are so many documentary features on here that we didn't even dip into. There's a Greta Thunberg one. There's a sequel to The New Corporation, which is about capitalism being evil. Um, just start it now. We'll I don't know. Yeah, guys, I'm probably gonna just like legit go home <laughs> and start watching this immediately. Um, yeah, so we'll finish this up quickly uh, so that you guys can go watch. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm going the a little features, crazy. Whoa. The features. Okay. Um, so this morning uh, we got up pretty early to watch a very dark film. Uh, it is called Wander Darkly, starring Sienna Miller and Diego so Luna. Dark. Uh, this is probably going to be the easiest film for you guys to see eventually because it has mainstream stars. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm not a huge fan, actually. At the end of the, of the film? film, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't blown away by it. I feel like it was all over the place. Which, yes, I it was intentional and what it was meant to be, and like it was, you know, interesting to see the relationship between the um, the boyfriend and girlfriend. And the stuff that they were, you know, the insecurities or fears that she was having. Um, but the reveal for us, like, we just keeping us waiting that whole time and then the real reveal at the end, it did not seem that surprising. And it wasn't that, um, I wasn't that into it. Uh, That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I thought the acting performances were good once we got to the end. Like, they all made sense. Yeah, I don't mind um, seeing it, Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it was definitely more of like a non-linear film and like yes, an altered sure. reality film, yes. as Leah and I have talked about on this podcast before. Um, and I love those kinds of films. It yeah. just this one did not give me enough oomph. Yeah, it was it was like very melodrama at sometimes. Like it's yeah. just too extra when it didn't yeah. need to be. I feel like sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Right, um, cool. So we can move on from that and talk about our final film <laughs> that we are going to watch, or that we watched before we got on this damn microphone. All right, yeah, your final really film that Rena and Jordan watched at the Montclair Film Festival before they made a mad dash to watch as many films as they could in 18 hours. Is, drum roll. Us Kids, yeah. the Parkland shooting yeah. uh, survivors activist doc yeah i mean your thoughts on it jordan um i i wasn't really gonna watch it but i feel like there is some buzz around this film for whatever reason because 
they have garnered a lot of media attention. Yes. I've like followed pretty closely a lot of this stuff and like followed them on Twitter. So like I've seen some of this stuff. Um, but I would say the film is still interesting, even if you have kind of followed it. If you haven't followed uh, their rallies and stuff like that and their tour of the country, I would say it's interesting. Um, you get a closer look at the kids. Yes. You know, and again, reminder that these were high schoolers that went through this. And you have these, you know, older people, adults, just coming at them from all angles in the media, trying to make them look terrible, bad, and threatening them. A lot of death threats and doing this and that. And they're children! They're teenagers! And boy, do they have a lot of courage. They do They do have a lot of, I mean, what can you say? Like, they just went through a crazy experience, one that will be with them the rest of their lives, and they have a voice, and they used a voice, and they gained, they monetized, and they organized, and had protests, and went on tour to travel to different places to speak, and a completely different end of their high school experience that, that, that they thought, obviously, they were not going to have, way more involved in politics than they thought they were going to be, um, you know, put on with, you know, eyes on them constantly, um, just insane, insane that the hard work, they, and they were constantly, they seemed busy, and it was exhausting, it seemed exhausting, um, and they were just doing so much, and again, it's the continuous conversation, it was on that, like, heavy about NRA, and a continuous conversation on gun control. And money in politics with the NRA. Yes, yeah. Because it's not necessarily that the NRA shouldn't exist. Because, like, it is conceivable that a fan club of rifles could exist, but they shouldn't be influencing the lawmakers so much that they could make it unsafe to live in a country. And that was their point. Like, the kids had to clarify with these other people they were talking to where they're like, we're not saying no guns. It is a tragedy. Truly a tragedy that it's gotten so normal that we have at least one almost every year that there's a school shooting or that there's a, just an issue with guns. Somebody who, who, who was, you know, there were casualties or there were ma- casualties or major uh, injuries. And um, that's bizarre. That's the world we live in, that that's become normal. And then people monopolize on that and make a business out of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, guns. And it's like there are these... I mean, nothing that these teenagers were saying when they started this, you know, another revolution, a new movement, nothing they were saying was new. All of this has been said before, but it just, we have to continuously bang and bang and bang, like, you know, keep hitting the door until it breaks. Yeah, and... It is so sad that we literally needed a pandemic to happen to curb gun violence a little bit. But then we needed once, a pandemic to happen for a lot of people to check to check themselves in then, many things. But then the but then Trump had to make people angry at each other and police had to as keep killing people so that people were protesting. He and did then, that as soon as he started running. And then once protesters were in the streets, then the news called it looting and then everybody was like, I need a gun now because people are yeah. looting. Did you hear that? The news said looting. And then all of a sudden everybody was getting guns again. So like 
we just went in the reverse direction because like now that everybody's so isolated people have probably gotten so many more guns and well, like shootings have probably went up during coronavirus what's in some very places. interesting is the take the media has on it because like your example with the protests and people are saying like oh they're seeing people loot and whatever there were so many all of new jersey had peaceful protests yeah and <laughs> you know governor phil murphy was very happy about that he's just like oh wow you know great because obviously there's a lot of different commotion going on in new york city and we're right next door um but again, with like how the media covers it, which I mean, when the movement was still going on, Black Lives Matter, if we're, you know, we're talking about. Well, it is still going on. People are still protesting. Still right going now. on, yes. right? But <laughs> people are not covering it. And when they were covering it, it was not the peaceful pro- protesters who were always make, who were making the ruckus or who were looting or who were starting fires. It were these other anti protest people, basically, these other, you know, groups who were causing trouble, who were not you know who are not working with us and the us being the people who are trying to make a positive change in the society um and the media is an interesting thing with like these uh kids in this documentary these teenagers you know in this this very real world were also having things they were saying be completely misconstrued and like you're super young and you now have like so many cameras on you everything you're saying is being recorded uh, it's it's just a, it's a different world now where you you just have you literally have to be careful who you trust, you know if you know who you have exchanges with like anything you can say can be misinterpreted interpreted and then just cause a whole other mess of a problem and uh, again just a, it's just a distraction to keep us from working toward this goal that we want. Um, and is it so hard? Are people really this against? Like, do you want to see more shootings happen? Bottom line, do you still do you enjoy this? Does this is this a good feeling? Because it's terrible. Unfortunately, a lot of people do. I think like the feeling of like watching the news and like feeling bad, especially like people who aren't necessarily happy in their lives. But then they could look at the news and be like, "Well, at least I'm still alive. Well, at least this wasn't my community with my kids this time." And like, I don't know. It legit takes people to be confronted with tragedy sometimes for them to make a difference. Yes. And it's just so yes. appalling that like watching all of these kids cry, watching kids cry from Columbine, watching people yes. cry about right. their children from other tragedies, right. watching like live events and like the Las Vegas shootings and all of these things and like people could still be on. like, ah, I want a gun. I want to get one of those. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I guess, like, the issue is people think that there is a protection aspect to it, but, like, you can't get protected if somebody brings a gun to the back of your head and shoots you, you know? Like, when it comes down to it, if somebody sees you first, they can shoot you and kill you. Like, the only way that you can defend yourself with a gun is if you see the threat before it happens and you have yeah. your gun in position to defend yourself before it happens. Yeah. And, like, people don't want to live that way. Why do we want to live in a place that's a war zone? It's not the Wild West. We want to live in a place that people can feel safe walking down the street without feeling like they're going to get mugged. Um, We need to mature as a society. We still need a lot of growing to do, and I think there are a lot of people who are just not... Who are just who like being like you said in their own bubble who are who are just you know selfish and if it only has a direct effect on them then they care um and it's like you know just do good do like wearing a mask here's the simplest example that we're going through right now in 2020 and you know uh, 
global pandemic where it's just like wear a mask because you care for others even if you don't know them you're not related to them you have nothing to do with them you're just you know you're protecting yourself even like hey you say you're not experiencing symptoms maybe you're carrying symptoms maybe something happened maybe you didn't quarantine maybe you're around other people you're just be nice to other people and it's not a fucking right it's not it's just health and safety it's just literally you put it on you can breathe it's fine but um yeah and then i mean that's a mask and then people go you know go crazy with an automatic uh, in a, a an automatic weapon yeah yeah so it just feels beaten to death at this point the topic but like i guess it was good to see a fresh take on like kids acting from for I, change and like, i hope that it was nice from the future to see generations from perspective are yeah. yeah yeah i thought that was a good take to see it from their side yeah all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our Montclair film episode. Thank you so much for Rena Ezra being on this uh, podcast with us tonight. Do you thank have anything you. that you want to plug? For having me, um, I just say LNH Studios, you know, Late Night Hump. What's our comedy troupe doing? Check out our website, latenighthump.com. Um, we got a, you know, feature film in the works, a short film in the works, series if you want to see, stuff that's going to be put on YouTube, IGTV, our website. Um, you, you know, another podcast coming your way, perhaps. Uh, where you where a creative brainstorm of magic over here. We like to cook a lot of things up. Um, and uh, check out also if you want to drop into a cat cafe in. Um, I mean, Jordan can can <laughs> give you the details for this one, but if you want to do some just, you know, fun improv that it's just a small group of people, so you are uh, safe, you have your mask, it is mandatory, um, and if you're looking for something to do, you need that creative outlet, um, yeah, good. Jordan Jordan's a great coach. Aw, That's thanks. at Cambria's Haven. Cambria's Haven Cat Cafe, 19 East Westfield Ave in Roselle every Park, Thursday. New Jersey. Every Thursday, time? 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. I uh, just plan to get there at 5.45 because uh, we like to start at 6, you know? Uh, show your face early so that we know you're going to be there. Uh, other than that, thank you so much, Rena Ezra. If you want to catch me, I will be at Rockin' Joe's on October 30th in some kind of onesie, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, also, jokes, jokes, jokes. <laughs> also, <laughs> November, uh, come out to Late Night Hump at New Jersey Weed Man's Joint, uh, 322 East State Street in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, it's always a good time there, and like after November, we might call it quits for December, just because it's going to be cold as hell, and my car does not have a lot of life left in it. Oh, I, don't say that. No, I, I jinx so it. So much attachment to that car. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much and for listening. And have a great Halloween. Uh, we will probably be watching, I don't know. Leah wanted to watch Hubby Halloween, Hooby Halloween, but I don't really want to watch that. I don't know if we're going to watch it. She watched it, and she didn't love it, so we'll see if we uh, are doing that. Uh, we oh, might do hmm. The Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, yes, um, yes. But, like, just watch some stuff. Uh, follow us on at Movie Cinema Film on Instagram, at Movie Cinema Phil on Twitter. I'm at Jay Freeze, J-F-R-E-E-E-Z-E. Mm-hmm. 
And you can find us on Apple, Spotify. Uh, tell your friends. Subscribe. Please rate us on things. If you've listened this far, you must like it somewhat. Uh, please just give us a rating. Give us a review of our reviews. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you so much for the Montclair Film Festival also for yes, being the subject you, of our MFF. podcast. After I uh, shat on stuff. you guys for not letting us into Minari and then letting me into Minari. <laughs> well, I loved you guys. I love you guys. And we love you guys. And we love you guys, the listeners. If you guys want to be a guest on this, email us at moviecinemafilmpodcast at gmail.com. Deuces. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.